You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. As we've been going through this letter to the church in Galatia, we've also picked out uh, one verse that's really trying to push home what it is that Paul is wanting to say. Uh, And this is back in chapter 2, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And we've gone through it countless times. And in fact, in this letter, we're going to keep going through this same idea countless times. Why are we going to do that? Are we going to do that because Wade has nothing better to preach about? Are we going to do that because one time in one place there was a church that made a couple of mistakes about who they let in to preach, and now we've got to hear the same old story over and over and over again? Or are we going to hear about it week after week after week throughout this letter because we need to hear it week after week after week? Right? See, here's what happens, and this is true in so many things in life. I'll give you a silly example. I asked my dad once, Dad, I've heard about the, the law in the Bible and how Jews have to wash their hands, but then we were at the store and there were kosher pickles. And so I asked Dad, why are the pickles kosher? What did they do to the pickles to make them kosher? And he said, well, you know how you know, they got to wash their hands? Well, they let the, the pickling juice drip off in a certain way. This was not true. This is not what makes pickles kosher according to the Jewish food laws, okay? I actually still don't know what makes them kosher, except for there's got to be a priest in the canning factory, all right? But for all of my life, I believed what my dad told me about these pickles. Like, there was some sort of magical uh, pickle dripping process that caused these things to be pure in front of God's first people, the Jews, okay? Um... You know what it took to get me past that? Just learning about pickling. I I became a bit of a chef, kind of, and I learned how to pickle things. That's what got me past that, okay? But I had a hard time believing that my dad played a prank on me all those years ago, right? Look, this is true in all areas of life. If you're raised to believe something, it hardly seems believable when someone tells you something that just doesn't jive with what you know to be true. Well, throughout the life of all of the people living in Galatia, they have been taught and have believed that the gods would help them if they helped themselves. They have been taught that the gods would serve them if they served the gods. They have believed that their ancestors would guide them to the place to where the gods will be one day if they do everything 
up to the best of their ability. And then the good news of Jesus comes to them. The good news of Jesus comes to them, and this is what they learn, and it's what we need to learn too, that the Bible is not primarily a book of a code of law or a book of morals. Morals, that is, the good way of living. Okay? It's not primarily or first about that. Is it in there? Yes, it's in there. First and foremost, the Christian faith is a story of redemption. It is a story of rescue. It is not primarily dealing with morals. That's something that Paul is going to get to. It's something that Jesus got to. It's something that Peter got to when we read through 1 Peter. But that is not what the Bible is first and foremost about. It's first and foremost about the rescue of you from the depths of hell because of your sin by a loving Savior that took that sin upon Himself. That's one exchange. And then He gave you His righteousness. That's another exchange. That is what the Christian faith is first and foremost about. And if you have lived your entire life thinking you have to live up to a certain standard, do a certain thing, act a certain way because of what your culture has told you, because of what your family has told you, and all of a sudden you receive the best news in the world that you do not have to save yourself Because inherently, whether we push it out of our brains or it's actively working in there, we all know that we have done something wrong and that we will face some kind of judgment one day. Either in the here and now or in the life after. And all of us need to hear that we can be rescued from that. Well, the hearers in Galatia Gentiles specifically we're talking about here, although Jews were there sharing that good news, that is Jews who had put their faith in Christ and become Christians, were there sharing that good news along with Paul. We've learned about all of that in chapters 1 and 2, the history of the book thus far. And now we're in chapters 3 and 4, the theology of it all. And so the hearers in Galatia heard and understood and believed that they could not save themselves. And they were relieved by this. And they trusted in, they rested and relied upon Jesus, the Rescuer, to save them from all of it. All of the works of law that their culture placed on them, all of the works of the law that their families placed on them, all the works of law that they placed on themselves, it's just like in the best of hero movies when the hero swoops in, saves the day, defeats evil, and takes those that are his and takes them out of the awful scenario, right? Out of the bad situation. This is exactly what Christ has done. And the Galatians saw it for what it truly was. A rescue operation. Until someone came in and said something that, according to the Gospel, didn't sound quite right, but 
according to all of their years of experience and knowing that they had to abide by some kind of law to save themselves made absolute and total sense. Oh, well, of course we should add the law back in because there's no way that you can just receive something for free. Like we talked about this morning in the marriage class, there has to be some sort of transaction that takes place. And if it wasn't a work that I did to get saved, well, then clearly there's a work I got to do to stay saved. And this is how I'm going to stay saved. I'm going to abide by works of the law. To which Paul has said over and over and over again, no one will be made right and righteous before God by works of the law. And then here in verse 10, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. And we're going to have Paul use four different passages from the Old Testament to make an argument here. Okay, now I love this because up to this point, we've, and rightfully so, we've been reading Paul as Scripture because that's what he knows he's writing. Um, You even have Peter who acknowledges Paul's writing as Scripture and vice versa for different authors in the New Testament. But up to this point, we've just been listening to what Paul has said. But over the next two weeks, we're going to hear what the rest of Scripture has to say. And Paul's going to be using God's Word to prove his point. And more specifically, for those Judaizers, for those people that are trying to add the law back into the Christian faith in a sneaky backdoor way, he's going to be using the verses that they know very well to prove his point. And so here's the first one, and this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 27. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So this is at the end of all the giving of law here in the book of Deuteronomy. And what is, what is uh, Moses writing to us? What is the scribe saying here? He's saying, if you do not live by and do all of these things, you will be cursed. Now, a curse is not like maybe what we think of when we think of like a voodoo doll. You're going to have some pain and some sorrow in this life. The curse that we're talking about here is a curse of death and separation from the loving kindness of God. That's the kind of curse that we're talking about. And so just as as Moses tells us in Deuteronomy, just as God's law tells us in Deuteronomy, if you do not live by and do all of the things written in the book of God's law, you will die and you will be separated from God's loving kindness. For you and me this morning, that's a death sentence. A death sentence of separation from God. Rather, God is everywhere all the time. We know that. But it's a separation from the love that He wants to express to us. That He has for us. How do we get out of that? A rescue mission in the form of Jesus taking our sin on Himself. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Okay, this is from Habakkuk chapter 2. The righteous shall live by faith. Paul is saying, we already know this. 
you already know that this is true, that the righteous live by faith. Or it could be translated another way, he who lives by faith will be made righteous. Okay, You, you could kind of change those words around to get it to sound in the way that, that makes it make sense in your ear. Okay, um, The righteous shall live by faith. We're not talking about living here as a kind of law, like you have to do a certain thing. Faith, we're talking about trust. We're talking about resting and relying upon God for salvation. Specifically, back in Habakkuk, that was looking forward to Jesus. Now we're looking back at Jesus and seeing that this is true. But the law is not of faith. Okay, now this is going to be a complex thought. I need you to bear with me for just a minute, all right? If something is one thing, it is not another thing. Alright? If you're holding a banana in your hand, it is not an apple. Does this make sense? Hold on. Maybe that wasn't as complex as of a thought as I thought this was going to be, okay? One thing is not another thing. And if you wanted to boil down the problem here in Galatia... This is what's happened. They have said this one thing, faith, is also this other thing, obedience to the law. Something that seems like a very simple idea, and yet, what? We've been trained in it our whole lives. It's totally believable to think that these two things could somehow be the same thing. And Paul is saying, But the law is not of faith. Another way of saying this would be be like this. Can you, can you, or must you, have faith to receive law? Growing up, when your parents said, do not do that, did you have to have faith to receive it? No, you might have needed a slap on the head to receive it. But you did not need faith to say, I'm trusting that I don't do that. No, it's law. It doesn't work like that. In a very similar way, there are many laws in this world that do not come from God's Word that are quite good. There are philosophies that don't necessarily interfere with God's Word that you could follow or look at for wisdom. Um... You know, the book of Proverbs is good Jewish wisdom. And yet, at the same time of the book of Proverbs being written, there are other cultures writing similar books of Proverbs, some of which would go against the Bible, but the majority of which would not. What does this tell us? That kind of wisdom, that kind of law, you don't need faith to receive it. In fact, other people writing around the same time as the Apostle Paul, a group of philosophers called the Stoics, do you know what they always said? Love the gods and love your neighbor. Sounds very similar to what Jesus is teaching us to do. It's because you don't need faith to receive that kind of law that says love your neighbor. You don't need faith to see, wait a second, if my neighbor... If I treat them well, they'll treat me well. And if that I treat them well, they treat our other neighbor well. Next thing you know, we're living in a nice place. It doesn't take law, or it doesn't take faith to receive that kind of law. That's what Paul is saying here. 
One thing is not another thing. It doesn't take faith to receive the law. But where is he going to get this from? He's going to get this from Leviticus chapter 18. The one who does them shall live by them. The law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Look, if you are abiding by the law, if you're being obedient to the law, that's what you're living in, Paul is saying. It might not be bad, right? In fact, it could be very good. Something that I listened to this week said it this way, that you can follow all of the laws in the Bible, okay? And you might just have a very better life. It's true. You could go through, you could look at all the wisdom, you could follow all the laws about loving other people, and if you don't know Jesus, you will have lived a great life that leads you directly to hell and separation from God's loving kindness. This is the problem with law. We too easily think that it is the way that we get to God and that God has to get to us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Uh, that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 23. Uh, and and there's, something, there's something odd happening in that, in that verse too. Hang on a tree. Um, look, we know that Jesus was hung up on the cross. During the time that that passage was written, there was always some kind of crucifixion or hanging. It might have looked different. And yet the big idea was, if you're hanging on a tree, it's because you're suffering <laughs> the weight of the laws that have been put down upon you. You are cursed. You are separated, cut off from people, cut off from God's loving kindness um, because of something that you have done. Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All right. This is good news for us. This is good news for you and for me. Because what it took for you and me, Gentile, you and me, uh, pagan people, <laughs> To be counted as righteous was for Jesus to be cursed. It was for Him to be hung on a tree and to take the curse that we deserved. It was an exchange that He made for us. It was a rescue operation. Paul continues though, and we'll continue here for a couple of verses. To give a human example, brothers... Even with a man-made covenant, right? So a relational promise and commitment to one another. We talked about that last week. Uh, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls or ends it or adds to it once it has been ratified, okay? Paul's saying, look, once you've made a relational promise and commitment to one another, you don't go back and change things, all right? You don't go back and change things and you don't end it. Um, specifically speaking, back in the time of Abraham, uh, you might remember the promise that God made to Abraham and he did this with the sacrifice of an animal. He had Abraham lay out this pretty elaborate thing. And um, basically in a covenant, what you were saying 
is these animals that have been chopped in half. Disgusting. And both parties typically would pass through this. And what you're saying is, if I don't hold to this commitment, this covenant that we've made together, may I be like these animals lying on either side of us. Dead, chopped up, pieces, accursed. Um, Except for in Abraham's case, what happened? It was a gross day, lots of blood. It says in the text that it was congealing and that there were flies everywhere. And God passed Abraham out. It made him pass out. And then who passed through the sacrifices? God did. He said, this is not a covenant that you're going to be able to make and keep, Abraham. It's a covenant I'm making to you. That your children will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sands on the beach, and they will come from every nation. By you, every nation will be blessed. That is, every people group, every tribe, every tongue will be blessed. And that's a promise that God made to Abraham. It's a promise of good news through a Messiah, through a Savior, through a rescuer that was going to come and make a rescue. Okay? Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings. What are we talking about here? Okay, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually last week, we, we were talking about this, that the children of Abraham are not blood children of Abraham. Children of Abraham are those who believe and trust in Jesus for their salvation. So, Paul is arguing here then, that there are not two offsprings, those by blood, the Jews, and then those by faith, the Gentiles. He's saying it's always been all about trusting in God's Savior for your salvation. You have only ever been a part of Abraham's family if that faith has been present. You were never a part of Abraham's family if you were simply related to him by blood. So it does not say to offsprings, but to offspring. Referring to many, but to one, and to your offspring, God said to Abraham, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law came 430 years afterwards. Okay? History lesson, quick, quick. 430 years after the promise was made to Abraham, what happens? Moses receives the law. Now, everyone in Jesus' day is thinking, and and after Jesus, these Judaizers are preaching and teaching that you must follow the law to be saved. What does this tell us about Abraham then? If he had to have the law in order to have faith and be saved, he's lost. And the promises to Abraham from God have been broken. This is Paul's argument. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not end a covenant previously made by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Look, you're going back to the law. You're saying that faith comes through the law. But faith 
and law are not the same thing. They are two different things. If, it, if they were the same thing, then the promise of God means nothing to Abraham and the promise that the good news about Jesus would go out to all people, nations, tongues, and tribes. It means that Gentiles have no hope because you have to be related to Abraham through blood. Not even. Abraham would be out of the story if it were by law. And so Paul says, one more time, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But that's not what happened. God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Here's our big idea for today. Christianity is a rescue story. It's a rescue story. The Christian faith is a rescue story. Rest in the rescuer's promise. Rest in the rescuer's promise. Um, if you want to rest in and rely upon works of the law, if you think that you can somehow add to your salvation, if you can somehow strengthen your assurance by the law, you're doing it wrong. Next week, we are going to have to ask the question that, that, that Paul is going to ask. Why then the law? Why did Moses even have to come? Why did the law have to get passed down through Moses? Why are we even having this conflict? Why is it muddying the waters? But we'll get to that next week. This week, what we need to hear is that any time you are adding the law back into your life to find some sort of comfort or assurance, if you're hearing the law properly, reading it properly, and applying it to your life properly, you will stand condemned and cursed. And what it is that you deserve is death upon a tree. But for you and me, that's not what we deserve anymore. That's not what we get, even if it is what we deserve. See, Christ took our death for us on the cross, and He gave us His life. Jesus shed His blood for us so that we could be born again, made new, so that we could share in His life. So that we could, by faith, receive the promise. By Jesus' faithfulness, receive the promise that was gifted to Abraham. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.